In today's episode, I'm interviewing Sheila Fung. She's an instructor at Uvaro, but she's also an educator, a martial artist, an entrepreneur, and she got into sales in the middle of some very disruptive personal changes. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Stay tuned. She's coming up shortly. Welcome to Seller's Journey, the podcast where we speak to great sales reps and leaders and share their real stories from start to sales success. Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Fung, and today I have the great pleasure of speaking to my sister and colleague, Sheila Fung, who is an instructor, a sales instructor at Uvaro. Sheila, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, Joseph. I'm I'm so looking forward to this, not just because I get to put you in the hot seat, uh, but also because your story is such an interesting one. And when we talk about interesting journeys and launching careers with Uvaro, um, I know I've said this publicly before, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast yet. Your journey really was the inspiration to launch Uvaro. So having the opportunity to interview you for this podcast is such a delight. Thank you. Thank you for being available. Thanks, Joseph. Um, why don't we why don't we start things off to give people some orientation? Where are you calling in from? Where'd you go to school? Uh, you know, whereabouts in the world are you? Okay, uh, I'm based in Vancouver right now. Uh, I'm working remotely with the team from uh, from Uvaro and Kitchener. I went to school for my undergrad at McMaster, actually in Hamilton, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I studied communications and comparative literature, uh, and that's sort of my starting point in terms of education. Now, clearly, when you're studying literature and communications, the next thing you do is you open a martial arts school, right? <laughs> sure. It's a natural progression. Um, I, I actually started before the dojo and, and the fitness business from school. I moved into crisis intervention uh, and writing for Ontario Nature, both both causes that were very near and dear to my heart at the time. Um, I think I was in a place where I was choosing what I wanted to based on who I could help the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I love that transition from there into fitness um, through a series of serendipitous events, and that's actually what started me on the entrepreneurial journal uh, journey. If you want to think about the timeline, <laughs> so I love that comment. You said that uh, focusing on things that let you help people the most, mm-hmm. uh, and we often speak about helping people, giving value in sales. But for you, uh, I, I get the you know conservatory the crisis intervention work. I think these are really obvious opportunities to help. Uh, Your work with Red Tiger Martial Arts and Spark Fitness, how how did that realize the idea of helping people? I like that question. Um, Because when you look at it on paper, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to jump from one right into the other. But I think I should even um, take it back to the way for me to get through the undergraduate process. Um, Mm -hmm. Sales was in the background there. I worked a lot of uh, sort of telemarketing and and, um, call center jobs in order to to pay for a lot of that. And so I did see it at that point as sales allowed me to do those things. Um, Mm -hmm. And while I was studying, I was doing the crisis intervention and the the nature conservancy stuff because of that need to help. And sales was really the avenue to do that. So Mm -hmm. when I moved into the entrepreneurial area, sales again was underpinning allowing me to do this thing I was really passionate about. And the difference between crisis intervention and personal training and martial arts instruction, um, I saw it as still an avenue to change lives, but in a way that wasn't 
bleeding the life out of me is <laughs> the nicest way uh-huh. to put it. I found the crisis intervention very draining. There was no um, no closure with any of the cases I was working with. It was very much a pass them off in the moment. And then legally, uh-huh. I was not allowed to follow through. So personal training and martial arts instruction, I saw uh, in two different lines. Um, fitness was very much about helping people get control of their bodies, their metabolism, oftentimes their lives, because those things so often seem to tie together. Um, and the martial arts aspect, actually, I saw as an extension of that, but in a skill-based area, um, especially when it comes to physical movement and self-defense. A lot of the people that I was working with uh, either had a history of trauma coming in, a fear mm. of trauma, or had just never been taught to move their bodies. Um, and I really enjoyed being part of the process of teaching someone what they can do. Um, and it's a different scale for everybody. But if you you go from not understanding how to move, let alone how to protect yourself, and then go through the process of following through on all of the little movements to be repeated and, and uh, polished, and then eventually get to a point where you feel confident enough to defend yourself. It's a very, um, it, it's an inspirational journey to be a part of. You clearly identify with the, the customers, your clients so well. Uh, I know we, we speak about ideal customer profiles, personas, in the Yovaro classes. And you've already spoken about how your sales work was a thread through your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I'm curious, the the two companies that you're at, so Red Tiger Martial Arts, Spark Fitness, were they the same customer profile, the same ICP? You know, how did you think about that? Very different ICP connected though. Um, okay. Th- yeah. So the target with the martial arts school was a combination of adults and children, uh, mm-hmm. but the primary student base was children. And then Spark Fitness grew out of that when we recognized that the the parents sitting there watching their children in class uh, were there, they were captive. So of course, why not attach a gym to the side? Um, so that, that was a pretty logical progression. There you go. So that's uh, almost like Two, two different personas, uh, although if the parents are paying for the kids, it's going to be the same buyer at the end, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes right down to it, yeah. Fair, fair. Okay, so we're getting a little bit more about your journey. You've got this entrepreneurial journey, um, but we're still not in your sales role. You know, I'd like to touch base on that. You, you spoke about how sales was an opportunity to find stability, and I know you went through some really tough changes. Maybe you can share a little bit about that, help our audience understand you know, what that time of life was like. Sure. Um, I mentioned that the entrepreneurial journey for me was based in passion and martial mm-hmm. arts and fitness were things that I was very passionate about. So for me, the opportunity to grow a couple businesses that allowed me to pursue that, to share that while also bringing my children with me to work was the ideal scenario. Um, And after doing that for five, six years, I started to think about expansion and financial stability and growing. And so uh, I sold a franchise of the gym and started looking into opening other locations and extending my reach that way. And uh, it was all toward achieving that sort of next level of stability. And then Mm -hmm. in that process, also, (laughs) um, my marriage started to fall apart. And as that was happening, it really highlighted to me that while I had been prioritizing growing the businesses and having the children with me, being physically tied to locations was not sustainable. Um, And not sustainable in a way that was great for the kids, because as much as they love being at the dojo with me, uh, we were bouncing. I'd be working really long days. They'd be bouncing around between school um, and all of their other activities. And it it was a lot. And then when multiple locations came into play, it was this realization that they couldn't be on the road all the time. And 
if I'm on my own, I need something that is a lot more predictable <laughs> and a lot less chaotic, right? So sales was the obvious next step because uh, that whole passion, that whole lifestyle business had been driven by um, a sales a sales process. And so moving into something that allowed me to focus on it at scale was just a logical next step. Remotely was now, the only way. You've moved into the sales role and you're, you're working with us now. Um, you spoke earlier about how martial arts and, and fitness were such a passion. You know, having left those businesses behind and now, you know, in the sales role, do you still get the opportunity to train, to practice, to, to realize those passions? <laughs> um, so I was resistant to leaving the businesses I was passionate about because of that, uh, that fear that I would not get to train anymore. I would not get to do the things I love. Um, and at the beginning, I actually had more time to train than I ever did basically living at a dojo, which was a bit of an eye opener <laughs> as to what living in the uh, business was doing to me. So um, I do. And the difference now is that anytime I step on the mats, it's entirely for my own benefit. And that is completely 180 degrees different from how it used to be. Um, stepping on to teach versus stepping on to train. Uh, it's a big difference. That must feel very rewarding. It does. Uh, <laughs> uh, it really does. I'm, I'm enjoying that. So I know that we uh, recently engaged in a conversation on LinkedIn uh, where uh, John, who we, we both know, uh, built a connection between sales and sports. And uh, I know that your training has some strong analogies in sales. We're going to come back to that. But I'd like to talk about the sales experience a little bit, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, I love how early on you mentioned that sales was a thread through uh, your your work in terms of helping people, selling technology is very different than selling personal care or well-being or growth. I'd love to take a look at those comparisons. First off, what surprised you most about selling technology? I like how you framed it that way um, because they, they are very different. But the thing that surprised me most was actually how similar they are. Um, mm. the, the first thing ever I would do with a client coming in for the fitness or martial arts business is figure out where they were coming from and identify mm -hmm. what their major pain points were. That is discovery. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a bit of an eye opener, just how much overlap there is because to do, to, to sell fitness and lifestyle, well, you have to be able to get to the root of the problem, um, because people coming in who've already got a handle on that stuff, it's just, uh, let's try this new thing for a short time. But to create a long-lasting uh, connection with your client and something that's going to be not just in there for a month, but there for years. Uh, and I've had client relationships that have spanned decades. It's You have to be able to get into the problem, into the pain, and really understand what makes them tick in order to provide the right solution for them. Because there's, there's no one solution that fits all. And I, I think there's a fair bit of overlap there with technology because um, you're selling solutions to complex problems and they're adaptable. Mm -hmm. So there's a great example there of, you know, those strong similarities. What struck you as the difference? Uh, hmm. The consultative nature of the process and technology, um, mm -hmm. there's other people, there's other stakeholders. So while the pain and discovery is comparable, there's more to think about. There's more to factor in. So um, the biggest difference, and I think the hardest part, is taking those skills and recontextualizing them in a way that factors in a huge amount of nuance um, that really has to be discovered in the early stages. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, that that idea of uh, 
yeah, discovery is a, a pretty common thread through both of those comments. Mm-hmm. Now, thinking a little bit about your work, uh, you know, one of the things that you st- said at the beginning was that you you really value the idea of helping people, mm-hmm. uh, and I know we speak about helping and giving value in sales. Uh, I'd love to hear how do you you know how do you realize that deep personal value in your day to day work selling B two B software. How do you stay true to yourself in those actions? That's a really good question. And I think I, I know I mentioned being resistant to the career change um, mm-hmm. and it was sort of sparked by necessity. Uh, I've been astounded at just how much value I'm getting out of this process. And in the early stages of the transition, most of the value was in the sort of brain spark that happens when you're really rapidly learning the use of new tools and new solutions and getting a feel for the ecosystem that you're stepping into. Um, And that Mm -hmm. learning has always been a thing I've loved to do. (laughs) Um, So that was the first step. And then once I started to get a handle on things, realizing that I could really help people because the solution that I was selling was Kite and it makes such a big difference in terms of revenue, which is huge for a business. It's like the key. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that that was a great feeling and feeling like I was um, really doing a good thing there. But then with the transition to Uvaro, I, I can't believe how comparable the transformation is for a student coming in at the front end of the course to how they come out at the back end to what people were going through in the process of sort of getting control of their bodies and their ability to move and their own sense of capability. Um, there's so much overlap. I, I, I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your comment about overlap. Um, it reminds me of a one of the stories that you shared earlier. I know we're recording this just before Mother's Day, uh, and I've got this recollection of you sharing a comment about you know your first Mother's Day and martial arts. Can you can you remind me and, and share this with the audience? Because uh, <laughs> I remember enjoying that a lot. Yeah, um, it, yeah. Mother's Day is coming up. My my kids are planning one million crafts. My first Mother's Day, um, I actually spent it at a jujitsu competition, a tournament in Oregon. Um, I drove (laughs) down with my eight month old baby and I spent the day, the first part coaching a couple competitors that I had also competing with baby strapped to the front. And then, um, when my division came up, it was literally hand off to a team team member, run out to the mats, uh, try to choke my opponent, (laughs) run back, hold baby in between rounds and back and forth. And, uh, it was actually my first competition back since having her. Um, but, competition's pretty high on my list of fun things to do for a weekend. So best Mother's Day ever. <laughs> uh, so how'd you place? Did you, did you do well? I, I did. I took, uh, I took second in the division and I, I typically am not pleased with that at all, but, uh, my, having just had a kid, like no a big baby, deal. Yeah. <laughs> I let it go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So we've already determined, uh, I mentioned earlier, we were chatting on LinkedIn about sports and sales. Mm-hmm. And we talked about some parallels between jujitsu and sales. Mm. Clearly there has to be something more than just arm bars. So, <laughs> you know, what, what sticks out to you? What's the connection between jujitsu and sales in, in your mind? Yeah. So there's, there's two routes that are really important with jujitsu and sales crossovers. The the first obvious one, which I mentioned on, on John's thread is the, the nature of chess and the need to read opponent's movements and put pressure where you need it to produce the reaction that you want so that you can then do what you're actually trying to do. It's a lot of push-pull response. Are we talking about sales or jujitsu? I've lost track. <laughs> right. <laughs> In jujitsu. Um, okay. And there, there, are, there are processes of reading what people's tendency are 
how they how they communicate, or in this case, spar, um, and then being able to think a few steps ahead and to mm-hmm. create the reaction that you want. Um, and then it's not as simple as pushing against them. It's directing their energy. So if they're pushing towards you, deflecting to the side so that you're using their effort, uh, they're moving themselves where you want them to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other avenue that's really important in terms of crossovers, jujitsu is the best ego killer I, I can think of. <laughs> it is, it, it is Wait, more so than sales? More so than sales. And, and oh, getting wow. used to being physically crushed in order to learn is so important because you, you, even if you win a jujitsu match, you come out of it feeling like you got wrecked. <laughs> it's, it, okay. There's, it, there's so much physical effort and it's, it's, it's fighting. Um, okay, that's fair. I've it, had sales deals like that. Yes. You know, you and, and, and yeah. if you want to get better at it, you have to do that. You have to put yourself in that position and you have to be willing to try the thing. You're not sure if it's going to work in order to make it work. And, and that means accepting that you might lose. Right. And, Sales is the same way. If you if you are just doing the same patterns that aren't working over and over again because they're comfortable, you are never going to grow. Uh, and and I know that that is sometimes the hardest thing uh, as a human being to accept that growth requires failure. Uh, mm. But I think jujitsu encapsulates that. You fail so many times until you start pr- progressing. And it, it, with sales, you're you're doing the same thing. Now we've touched on a bunch of, of things. I do have one more area I'd like to touch on before I let you go. Um, one of the things that sticks out to me when I look at jujitsu, when I look at sales, tech sales, moreover, is there also both industries and areas that are highly competitive and very male dominated as, as a woman who's been in both, who sees the parallels. I'd love to hear your observations on you know, why that might be. And what are the things that we could do to encourage women to pursue careers? And I mean, sales is where I'm primarily focused, but perhaps the lessons apply to both. Yeah, that that's a big. There's there's a lot of a lot to unpack there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in terms of why they're male dominated, I'm going to say that like the physical component aside, there is the competitive aspect, um, and it's it's competition that in the physical, like in the arenas of jujitsu and martial arts, it makes sense for it to be a, still a male dominated, even though the competition is divided by gender, it's divided by weight range, it's divided by skill set, there is still a predominantly male voice. And that that's changing. It's it's uh, starting to open up the more reading and writing that goes into it. Um, but it is hard to find footing as a female in the sport, um, not just because of typical size and strength differences, but uh, socialized mentality. Um, and then just the way you get treated on the mats is a little bit different as a female versus mm. male. Um, and I'm going to say that there's some comparisons there in sales as well. Just just traditionally louder voices, uh, traditionally male dominated stru- male dominated structures in terms of um, reporting structures, ways of learning, even the analogies. You know, if we're using obviously male dominant analogies to teach things uh, all the time, <laughs> of course it's going to be harder to make your voice be heard in that setting. Um, but in terms of making it uh, easier for women to participate or helping, I should say, women find their footing. Just reminding um, reminding yourself to behave the way an ally would in both cases. And it doesn't mean prioritizing a female voice, but making room for it. Um, and then uh, also thinking about things like the choices of analogies. It, it makes sense in this context to be talking about the martial arts crossovers. Um, but if when you're teaching sales training, your only analogies are sport-based, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe open that up a little bit. 
uh, make space for other other stories in there as well. I love those examples. Uh, clearly, the the education in education shines mm-hmm. through in your answers yeah. there. Yeah, uh, and it makes a really big difference just having heard other narratives and understanding that there needs to be space made for other narratives, I think goes a long way to helping with that. This has been great. Uh, I've already kept you longer than I promised I would. Do you have time for our rapid fire questions before we wrap up? Absolutely. Okay, great. These will come quick and fast. So love to hear your answers. Uh, Tools. What's your favorite sales tool? (laughs) Uh, Kite, but I'm biased. (laughs) Totally fair. Totally (laughs) fair. I'm glad you stuck to the party line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Outside of work though, what's your favorite movie? Boondock Saints. Oh, nice Don't judge choice. me. <laughs> I am, but it's all good. That okay. is a great choice. <laughs> um, when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be? Ooh. Either a race car driver, a firefighter, or a pilot. Those are great choices. Mm. I can't complain about those either. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. Sheila, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me for taking the time and also for opening up and sharing your journey. It's a real inspiration and and I'm very, very grateful. Thanks, Joseph. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. I hope you have an incredible day and uh, I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day as well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Chat soon.